busy in this life carrying people to hell. As the Prophet drew the path, Sirat al-Mustaqim, the path of Adam, and all of the Prophets up until Muhammad as a straight line. And on either side of the line he drew many branches. And he said, this is my straight path. Follow it. And do not follow the many other paths of misguidance. Quoting a verse from the Quran. The paths of misguidance are many. The path of guidance is one. Our success lies in following that path. Surat al-Ladina Amta'aleem, Ghayr al-Mahdu'aleem, That is the path. The path of those whom Allah is pleased with, whose blessings is upon them and not the path of those on whom Allah's anger falls and those who are gone astray. So the challenge of adherence to the Quran and the Sunnah remains a challenge for us from the time that we are conscious, we are responsible to make that decision in our own lives until the time that we are put in our graves. However, because we tend to measure things according to benefit, this is our nature, what are the benefits in this? Where we see the benefits are many and they're good, we do it. Where we can't see the benefits, who tends to avoid it or neglect it? I will just, in this khutbah, mention the virtues, the benefits of adhering to the Quran and the Sunnah. Now there are many. So I'm not going to try to mention all. We would have to go on for many months. But I will just mention a few for us to reflect, to understand to, as a reminder to us that the benefits in the in adhering to the Quran and Sunnah are many. Not only in the life of come, because all of us can say, yeah, we understand, we'll benefit us in the next life. The next life is so far. It appears so far. It actually is right next to us. The next life is right next to us. But because we can't see it, we think of it as being so far away. After I die, that's how we can look at it. But reality is just right next to us. Because we can die at any moment. We know that, but we don't think about it. We like to think of the Akhirah as far away. 
So our focus is on the things that are immediate. <clears throat> but just as a reminder, in any case, concerning the benefits in the next life, we find Allah SWT in Surah Al-Qasar, verse 71, saying, "My Whoever obeys Allah and His Messenger has great needs as They have truly Because 
fears Allah. They are conscious of Allah. They know that salvation lies in worshiping Him. And this is the greatest act of worshiping Him. So they are based on that consciousness. The reward for that, Allah says in Surah Al-Nisar 69, who are forbids Allah His messenger will be in the company of those on whom Allah has bestowed His grace. The prophets, the truthful, the martyrs, and the righteous. How excellent these companions are. And ultimately, when we're talking about successful next life, we're talking about paradise. So in Surah Nisa'i, Allah further elaborates saying, Whoever based Allah and His Messenger will be admitted to gardens under which rivers flow forever, and that will be the greatest success. That is what Fawzul is. So those, or that, is the benefit of the life now. But we can only achieve it, as we said, where there is a sincere commitment, a sincere submission to Allah mentally, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, we have submitted our whole being to Allah. I ask Allah to give us this ultimate success of paradise and life to come and to give us the courage and strength to do and to make steps necessary to get there. Ask Allah to forgive our negligence of the past, our ignorance of this most important goal in our lives and to help us to dedicate the remainder of our lives to achieving this Thank you. 
We benefit on one hand from those acts which will provide good, which will be a means of attaining good, as well as from those acts which will prevent us from harm. Because adhering to the plan of the Sunnah does both. It helps us to achieve good, and on the other hand, it protects us from harm. What is truly good has both these elements. So, in terms of protecting us from harm, we know the prohibition of riba is a means of protecting us from harm. The countries of the underdeveloped world are struggling under huge debts which they are unable to repay. They are struggling only to service the interest, the interest which is piling up. They can't even keep track of it. It's getting more and more. They're trying to cover it. They can't even reach the original amount which they are. All of it as a result of what? Riba. Interest. Of course, Riba came to them as something good. It appeared very nice. We will build this for you. We will provide this huge loan. We'll, you have a project you want to do, we'll provide this huge loan and we'll build this for you so and so. And you can pay it off in time. Of course, oftentimes, those looters were corrupt. They didn't look beyond what is obvious where they could skim off the top of the payments money which they can stick in banks in Switzerland and elsewhere. And they built the projects. And then they had to deal with this. But what is the problem here? The problem is living beyond one's means. If you don't have the resources to build that, then don't do this. Don't think about, if I build it, then this other thing is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and so on, so no. If you don't have the means, don't do it. Because the only option you have is to do it by way of interest loans, and you will be trapped. It's an economic war going on. That's the reality. You cancel the remark, you've won the war. That is obvious on the national level, it's obvious on an individual level. How many people in America, America, the richest country on the face of the earth, How many people in America are 
living in the streets of America. Yes, we're used to seeing you know, the skyscrapers, huge buildings, beautiful pictures of these huge buildings, but you don't see them at night. When the building is shut down, on the ground, people sleeping on the sidewalks, on bits and pieces of cardboard covered. Freezing the death In the 90s, mid-90s, they estimated more than 4 million Americans live in the streets of America. They have no homes. 4 million homeless. What is the number now? You 
rule of law. When you look at the harm that alcohol causes in society, whether it is through the accident, people drunk driving, whether it's through the crimes that are committed in the state of drunkenness, whether it's through the days that are lost from people going through hangovers, they miss the first day of work or whatever, or half a day of work or whatever. The damage which is caused in the accidents themselves, people losing their lives, causing other people loss of property and life, etc. The damage is huge. So huge that America, without Islamic consultancy, Islam telling them alcohol is evil, banish. The Americans back in the 20s banned it. The period of prohibition, they, their lawmakers, are looking at alcohol said, this thing is evil, it's harmful, and they banned it. Islam took that position 1,400 years ago. And so on and so forth. There are many other examples that I can give. Time not really permitting. But at the same time, I should just mention some harm which may not be obvious. I could list a whole bunch more of things which are obvious, that's what I mentioned. But when Islam prohibited pork. The harm from pork is not that obvious. Yes, trypnosis is a disease carried by the Yes, there is high cholesterol, fats, etc. and cause heart disease. People have heart problems with all stuff eating pork. But the ultimate harm from the pig is not obvious. It isn't that obvious. So the question would remain in people's mind as people have asked me, and this is that one too. So why did God create the pig? If we're not eating it, why did he create it? This is the other side. Because they can't see the heart. What the point is, that we don't eat everything that God created. We know that. We can say, why did God create the fly? Do we eat flies? Flies have a role. They have to decompose animal matter, etc. Without it, we will be up to our necks in carcasses undecomposed. Flies have a role in the very important. We don't know. The pigs also They are natural disposal units, garbage disposal units. They eat anything. Most animals are either carnivores or they are vegetarians. They only eat vegetable matter. Is an omnivore. He can eat everything. Like you can be omnivores also. You can eat vegetable, you can eat animal. The pig can do the same thing. 
You need to know what So Allah made him, you see him, he will go and eat them all your garbage, whatever garbage you have, he'll consume it. He is a natural disposal unit of our creator. So just as you would not think to go to the garbage truck, but just picking up the garbage on our street and try to find food and eat from there. Why eat today? That's kind of obvious. But still, well, you know what? When human beings need heart valve transplants, you know, the heart valve goes. We need to replace it. Human heart valves are very good. The animal whose heart valve is most similar to human beings and most adaptable or acceptable to the human body is that of the baby. Person who works like that, taking care of an old person, the person who is 
80 years old, 90 years old. Can you imagine? Each and every one of us here. Can you imagine changing the diaper of a 90 year old man or woman? Four, five, six times in a day. How do you feel? Even for men, changing the diaper of a little kid. You know? Wife says, okay, come on, you're supposed to be healthy here. Now, we hate that moment where she says, please change the baby's diaper. Imagine if you have to change the diaper of an 80 year old man so many times. And you're not into it. What's going to happen? You're going to despise it. You're going to look at that person and you're going to And you will abuse them. You will abuse them. Because that's not where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be home with their families. Those who love them, who can appreciate them, who know what they did for them in raising themselves. They know it's their duty now to discharge that duty to their own parents. That's what it's not. Islam teaches care. This is something scary for many, many, many people. What are we going to do? Among the benefits is honest The people, when you buy something, you really get what you get for. What the year to the world is going to be sure. You get what you pay for. Because as a Muslim businessman, trader, you cannot falsely represent your goods. If it has defects, it has weaknesses, you tell them. You inform them. You don't trap people. The modern business is about deception. You can see it, all of us who have cars, there are more cars here than people. In the car industry, everybody knows. If you bought a new car, fine. But if you have an old car, then you know what's happening. That new car, if you were to take apart the new car into its bits and pieces, nuts and bolts, wheels, brake pads, everything, and you sell those individual pieces. Those individual pieces will cost two to three times the price of the car. So you ask yourself, how could that be? If the pieces cost two to three times the price of the car, and you have to pay people to put those pieces together, Less than cost. 
get you on the severe parts. And they deliberately made parts of the car which will break down. They have a choice. They can use a metal piece or they can use plastic. They can use good metal, steel, or they can use iron or alloy, which will break down. And they have machines that test parts. If you make this thing come up and down and down and down, test it all the time. Okay, this thing goes up and down so many times. After so many times, it's going to break down. You're not going to replace it. So when they give you the warranty, the one-year warranty, because all of those parts, they know, will break down after one year. Right? They don't want to break off. They want you to pay for it. Five-year warranty, same thing. And they list what are the areas of the five-year warranty cost. This is deliberate deception. When Henry Ford made the first car, that Ford car way back in the early, you know, 1912, 1910, that car, you could still see people driving those cars 40 years later, 50 years later, they could still drive it place that metal piece and it drives a working car. Because that concept was there in the original He built a car providing something for the people. He earned his money from the sale of the car. If you took the car apart, it's not that it wasn't, wouldn't cost as much as the car together. Because whatever he spent, he put a certain profit and he sold his son. That was the finest trade. But the whole business has changed. So, where Islam prevails, it protects us from that harm. A huge harm which all of us are suffering from today. The problem comes in terms of adhering to the Quran and the Sunnah. As I mentioned, in the areas where the harm and the benefits are not obvious. Where the harm and the benefit is obvious, we don't have a problem with all the different But when the harm and the benefit is not obvious, when the Prophet has said to men, grow your beards and shave your mustache. Do not wear your garments below your ankles. We're looking. Arm and benefit. Maybe my job will be upset if I grow my beard. People will look at me funny if I wear my trousers above my ankle. These are the considerations. Women, cover everything except for face and hands. My feet, okay, small thing. My hands, okay, so much of my hands showing. Shouldn't be a big thing. I'm not Where are the benefits and the protection from harm is not obvious, then we are willing to adhere to the Quran. But the bottom line is, it has to be the same. This is true faith. 
When we submit ourselves in Islam to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is across the board. Enter into Islam not please. Not what we want of it. We do but what we don't want, we don't do. That's not Islam anymore. That's your land, my land, not Islam. Where we pick and choose what is convenient for us. This is not Islam. There's no submission there. We're only doing what's out this. We can see the obvious harm of it. We can see the obvious good of it. But we can't see the obvious harm and the obvious good we don't do it. We go according to our desires. So really, that is our Islam. Islam according to our desires. And that's what we have to Because we have not truly believed until we have submitted ourselves to Allah and follow the commandments of His Messenger. And that is why Allah told us in Allah, Malaya Tawhi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Yaya Rabbina Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad kama salli ala Ibrahim wa ala ala Ibrahim I ask Allah help us to realize Islam in our lives to submit ourselves to Allah as we deserve as He deserves to be submitted to I ask Allah to awaken consciousness in our minds that we would intellectually, emotionally and uh, physically submit ourselves to him, to follow the way of his messenger, and to adhere to that path, the path of those on whom the Allah's faithful message. Ask Allah to keep us firmly on that path, to make this commitment a real commitment today and forever in our lives. Ask Allah to forgive our negligence of the past, our disobedience and our following of our own desires of the past. I ask Allah to make today a new day of the beginning of a new life for us in submission to Him and adhering to the way of His messenger. And I ask Allah to allow us to be this way. Remember